0: Corporations worry about the bottom line all the time. Of course, they do have a board of directors and stockholders that they have to answer to. But many families don't take this type of approach when dealing with their own finances. And the question that is asked in many occasions is, why? Douglas McCormick has brought that problem to paper in his new book, Family Inc. He's the managing partner at MCI Equity Partners, and he joins us on the show right now. Doug, welcome thanks Dan. glad to be here. Great to have you. I, I mean there are there are a lot of books out there that that tackle what to do with family finances right now. Uh, in terms of your book, what's what makes it special? What makes it stand out?
1: Yeah I think first of all, I feel like there's a uh, been a gap in the marketplace. There are a lot of a lot of books as you mentioned that cover this topic. but my experience has been that uh, some are either very specific and narrow in a topic like real estate or equity investing. Um, and not very accessible to most of America, and some are uh, very holistic but not really intellectually rigorous. And so what I've tried to do is take the best of both worlds and give people a framework upon which they can really evaluate all of their Uh decision-making. And essentially, the the premise of the book is that um, we should all think of ourselves like a business, and every family owns two real big assets. They own their labor, and then they own their financial capital, and the financial game of life is about learning to convert that labor into capital to support the family when you've exhausted your labor.
0: And labor, as you refer to it, is maybe the, the key asset in the process of a family right now.
1: Well, you know, I think it's, it's the, certainly the one that is most underappreciated. I think it's uh, interesting that most financial advisors myopically focus on financial assets, but um, you've got to acquire wealth before you can manage it. And for most of us, our our labor is our by far and away our largest asset, and and underappreciated. Uh,
0: before we go further about the book and what it's all about, I, I do give you a lot of credit because I'm from what I'm reading, you're doing uh, a, a good job in terms of trying to support uh, veterans' causes with the proceeds from this book. Correct?
1: Yeah, Dan. So I wrote the book for all of America because I think this is a real problem for many Americans. Uh, but I have a particular passion for bringing these concepts to our veteran community and so I've partnered with a number of organizations that are uh, working on veteran employment and veteran empowerment.
0: You're going to be doing the uh, the proceeds of this up through uh, Memorial Day but you're also providing the books as well for uh, some of the military as well, correct? Uh,
1: That's correct. I've I've partnered with organizations like the Institute for Veterans and Military Families and the Pat Tillman Foundation and the Pedfen Mm -hmm. Foundation all of which have uh, a focus on financial literacy or, or veteran empowerment and employment.
0: How many people out there, getting back to the book, how many people out there do you assume, not that you know, there, there's data out there about this or there may very well be, but how many people do you think that don't kind of take a business approach to family family finance?
1: Uh, my experience is very few. And I think that's, um, you know, the, the industry is organized in a way that people think about solutions through products, insurance products, investment products. And really what I'm advocating is that, you know, financial independence is really a product of better decision making. And, you know, I think uh, there's been lots of uh, study, you know, in business schools across America and corporate America about best practices in managing finance. And I really think a lot of it is relevant to family decisions, you know, once you've kind of defined the framework the way the book does.
0: But seemingly, though it sounds like from some of the stories that we hear out there, that a lot of people that are in their twenties or or thirties, in that you know that kind of millennial generation, are thinking more about their long term, which which is a good sign, you know, even before they get into having a family, but they're still carrying you know a decent amount of debt from college on this as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think um, you know I think people are starting to catch up with the fact that the game has really changed, and and what I mean by that is if you look back at, at my dad's generation, um, my dad's almost 80 now, uh, he likely, that generation likely had um, one, maybe two, maybe three careers in a lifetime or three jobs. Sure. And today's millennial is likely to have more than 10. And so, you know, the, the choices that re- resulted in financial um, security are very different for today's millennials than they were for Previous generations.
0: So, in terms of uh, of people that are in their 20s and 30s and thinking about this, they obviously have uh, quite a long time ahead of them. What about the people that are in their 40s and 50s? Uh, some of them that had started to build up nice retirement uh, funds and, and had you know a, a great plan, and then were were really undone by the recession a few years ago.
1: Yeah, I think um, first of all, it's never never too late to start. Uh, and the more time people have, obviously, the more flexibility and levers you have to, to achieve um, financial independence. You know, having said that, I think people often underestimate the number of different choices that they can make that can really impact um, their financial security. They also underestimate the likely time period that they're going to be able to hold these investments. Mm-hmm. So I would argue even somebody in their you know, late 40s, early 50s, Uh, You know, it's not only that you're going to hold the investment until you retire, but those investments are going to support you for 20, 30 years after retirement. So your time horizon is still relatively long.
0: Well, and and that's another key factor. And we're talking with uh, Doug McCormick, his book Family Inc., Using business principles to maximize your family wealth is out right now. Your comments are more than welcome. If you'd like to ask him a question, 844-942-7866 is the number, 844-942-7866. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting that that you talk about the 40 and 50 gen- generation, and I know a couple of uh, friends that have worked in this industry and in radio. And if you know about working in radio, it's not exactly the easiest thing to sustain a career. And it's not exactly the easiest thing to build up savings within this career. So the fact that the promise of being able to still be able to get a good job and still be able to put enough money away for retirement and still be able to live on a, you know a decent amount of money, even in your forties, that That's a comforting thing going forward, especially since people are living longer, but also people are working longer these days.
1: Totally agree. and I think I think if you if you get back to this concept that labor is one of our largest assets. You know, I make the argument that you should think about um, managing your labor the same way you think about your investments. and many of the principles apply. So you know as, as young folks today consider career choices, uh, arguably, it should be less around you know which job pays more and more about the long term opportunity to maximize um, income. Yeah. And so often people, I think, think too much about this year or next year versus what skills, what brand uh, criteria, you know what kind of flexibility will jobs today provide me in terms of developing a skill set? that is attractive in the marketplace, not just for next year, but for the next 50 years.
0: So you you talk about the the job being that key asset. Where are some of the other areas of correlation between business and family finance right now?
1: Um, Well, I think um, certainly the job is a key asset. I look at Social Security benefits as another key asset that is essentially the same as an annuity that you're forced to purchase. Um, And I think a lot of the um, ways that we think about um, financial analytics for business apply to uh, the family as well in terms of an income statement, a balance sheet, uh, thinking about uh, liquidity management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also uh, a huge believer in entrepreneurship. I think it's probably the single um, most likely path to financial security. And, and my basic premise there is you know, the financial markets are very competitive, the labor markets are very competitive. But when you combine your own labor with your own capital, I think you can create um, more sustainable return.
0: I and think so, – go ahead. Finish up. I'm sorry.
1: Just In, in, in this dynamic market, I think uh, entrepreneurship is perceived to be risky, but I actually think it's um, a much lower risk profile than most, most the, people assume.
0: The other part to that, especially with entrepreneurship, is making sure that you have the right plan and, and the right strategy. And again, that kind of goes back to to the links with business as well, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you'd like to jump in and ask a question, our guest is Doug McCormick. His book is Family Inc Using Business Principles to maximize your family's Wealth. Again, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. One of the pieces that I think is maybe a little bit of a different from the corporate end. Is that your company? As you know, as you have to perceive your family, uh, you know you do have that. At some points that company is going to, in some respects, end because you are going to stop working and you have to live off of that. So, th- th- you know, there's a lot of correlation there, but there is that that little bit of, I guess, the path changes. You know, later on in life. Yeah,
1: yeah, Dan, I, I think it's not that the company ends, but that the business changes, and so. Okay. Early in your life, you've got these two assets. You've got a lot of labor assets, and you probably have very little financial assets. And by the time you um, get to late in your life, you have a lot less flexibility in terms of the amount of uh, labor assets you have, but hopefully you've acquired more financial assets. Yeah. And so I think the business continues to um, evolve, but it still exists, and a lot of the principles still apply.
0: How do kids and college education fit into this correlation between the two?
1: Yeah. So I guess first I would say, I think a lot of the principles of business apply. It doesn't necessarily mean that you make the best, quote, business decision. (laughs) And so I think uh, what I'm uh, proposing is making informed decisions. And so kids, obviously, that's a significant um, investment, a significant financial obligation, but it's a personal choice that uh, families make all the time that makes a ton of sense. um, And you know is a very personal one Uh, I think from an education perspective I think the first thing that people have to acknowledge is um... do they have the aptitude and the desire and interest in pursuing a career that requires education the worst investment is you know pursuing an education for four years and then not uh, taking advantage of that skill set right but once you've crossed that uh, decision point then I believe that education is likely one of the very best investments that folks can make today and you know, I know there's a lot of um, debate around the amount and the cost of education, and, and that's all very true. But when you think about the return on that investment over a you know 50-year period, and I think people often underestimate that education allows you to extend your working career. Um, if you're doing manual labor by age 60, that may be very difficult. But we see in the marketplace today many folks uh, in their 70s being very effective in the labor force when they're contributing their, their intellectual
0: uh, skills. Doug McCormick is our guest. His book is Family, Inc., Using Business Principles to Maximize Your Family's Wealth. Your comments, again, are welcome at 844-942-7866. Should there be within the family itself that, that one person that is laying out uh, a, a lot of what happens, or is it, in your mind, a, a real partnership uh, where that is concerned?
1: Yeah, I I find that um, generally in a family, there is one person that has the interest and the aptitude and the time to play a more prominent role in thinking through these issues, Uh, but I think the decisions ultimately end up being um, ones of a partnership. And so, uh, you know, I I happen, because of my interest, to spend a lot of time thinking about these issues, but it's certainly... um, you know, a family decision when we make big financial commitments and, and decisions.
0: And and that's something that has to really be made. And even though we're seeing more and more millennials wait till, you know, their late 20s, early 30s, and even some into their mid-30s before they think about marriage and, and buying the home anymore, you know, th- this is almost a, a plan that an individual has to think about before they even get to the family part, correct? Totally
1: agree. Yeah, no, I think uh, in many cases— um, what your family business is going to look like, the die the is cast relatively early in, in your professional choices, and so uh, the later people um, get married, the more they're bringing to the table, not just in terms of um, attitudes and, and patterns of behavior, but also in terms of um, resources and liabilities.
0: Doug McCormick, the book is Family, Inc., a managing partner at MCI Equity Partners. You're welcome to give us a call at 844-942-7866. You also talk, uh, interestingly enough, uh, about inheritance uh, in this book as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, what I've observed is a lot of people spend a lifetime accumulating wealth, and because of the fact that it um, can be difficult conversations or Um, There's not a likely uh, a good sharing that often happens in families. And so in many cases, while they've made great financial decisions throughout a lifetime, they've poorly positioned the next generation to be good stewards of the family business. And so I'm an advocate of bringing all of the family together to think about Family Inc. uh, periodically. uh, That that serves, A, to educate um, the next generation and help them begin to develop skills, but also such that when something happens, there's a succession plan in place for them to be able to be responsible with the assets that you're leaving.
0: I I guess the the amount of time that you have those types of meetings within the family can vary. Obviously, you know, when you're talking about younger kids, you're not going to have, Uh, those types of meetings as frequently, but maybe as they get into their teenage years, it becomes an important piece, as you said, for them to understand something. And it it does a little bit go to a topic we've talked about on this show, is the better financial understanding of teenagers going into college so that they are prepared to be out in the real world.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of these conversations do not have to happen frequently. I think um, you know children are very... Observing how parents make decisions, so they're learning all the time. But if you did uh, this, you know a company would think about an annual meeting. Um, so if you did this once annually and sat down and kind of took inventory of uh, where the family sits financially, I think that's that's valuable. Yep. Um, I'm also a big believer that uh, especially for young folks, there's real value in making mistakes, and so to give your kids an opportunity to fail on a small scale, whether it be you know making poor choices with an allowance or a credit card. Um, is valuable and would much rather have them do it then than with much bigger numbers in a later point.
0: Again, the number to give us a call and join in the conversation, 844-942-7866. Our guest is Doug McCormick. The book is Family, Inc., Using Business Principles to Maximize Your Family's Wealth. Mike is in Cincinnati, Ohio. (laughs) Oh, a little problem with the phone there. Mike, welcome.
2: Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, Appreciate you touching on this topic. It's very interesting So thanks to both of you for uh, presenting today. Great to have Uh, you. Yeah, thank you. My question is uh, along the lines of the entrepreneurship angle that we had mentioned earlier in the uh, broadcast. I'm interested in whether there's a certain segment of entrepreneurship that is more successful going forward. What would he recommend, and, and what does that look like
1: yeah. So the first thing, um, Mike, I would say is I think it's an important framework to think of yourself as an entrepreneur today. Even if you have an employer, you're still an entrepreneur in the context of you are selling your labor, whether it be to today's employer or some some employer, uh, you know, down the road. The second uh, comment I would make is, in generality, is I think when people think about startups and entrepreneurs, they think very big. They think about Google. They think about Facebook. And I believe that um for most Americans, the opportunity will be much smaller, but the risk will be much smaller and this could be you know a local business there where you're um you know selling insurance, selling real estate, um a financial advisor um you know providing maintenance services for the residential industry, et cetera and I don't really have a view on you know what business to, that I would recommend that you pursue other than to say. Um, It needs to be based on the skills and experiences that you've developed to date, and so the the beauty of um, this model is you're acquiring skills all the time from your current employment situation, and the name of the game is how to efficiently um, use those skills to start your entrepreneurial endeavor.
2: Okay, very good.
0: Mike, thanks very much for the call. 844-942-7866 is the number. We're talking family finance with Douglas McCormick, who is the author of the book Family Inc. Again, 844-942-7866. I'll play some off of something you just were talking about is uh, the the digital element to this. Uh, where you know families can think about this process, but also they have the benefit of being able to use probably a wealth of tools that are out there uh, in the digital format to make this a little bit of an easier process.
1: Yeah, I think um, to a certain extent, you know, there, there's it's never been easier. I think to be an entrepreneur in terms of the access to um, information and the ability to uh, pursue business formation. And so I, I do think, um, while the labor market's more dynamic than ever, um, the opportunity for individuals to start their own businesses is also better than ever.
0: But also th- for, from the family finance perspective as well, because you know certainly when you're talking about all that that families do these days, and our lives are are so much more complicated with things going on, the the ability to rely on on digital tools makes it a little bit easier in this whole process. Correct?
1: Absolutely. No, I think uh, there's all kinds of opportunity to more effectively track and understand how you're spending your money and be thoughtful about it uh... i think the the other side of that equation though is i think corporate america's gotten better at better at figuring out how to engage the consumer in a way that you're likely to spend more right so i think it's uh... It, again it gets back to taking control of your decision making uh... on both sides
0: so in some respects the consumer even though they have this ability they have to be wary of the fact that the that the, that the corporate community un, understands this, and probably a lot more than maybe you do.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's that um, while the skills and tools that are available for you on a personal finance side continue to improve, I think the market or the environment that you're existing in is also uh, becoming more complicated. So both both skill sets are rising.
0: We've got a few lines open. The comments uh, are available to Doug McCormick, who is the author of the book Family Inc. Uh, uh, It is um, produced, I should say, by Wiley. They did a good job on it, and it is out now, and it is available uh, in bookstores and online so that you can find it. 844-942-7866. Getting back to entrepreneurship for a second, and and your belief and your, your, I guess I should say, love, of entrepreneurship. Uh, We see it quite a bit here at the University of Pennsylvania in the Wharton School, so many kids coming out of college but already having an understanding or even starting their own company before they even get to college. The process of being an entrepreneur, you have to plan it out, but it, it, it can be... I don't want to say a simple process, but it, it doesn't have to be this all-consuming, you know, there's no way in the world that I could be an entrepreneur. It's such a hard hard task these days.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the biggest impediment to entrepreneurship is probably just getting started. And a lot of times, many of the things that you would like to know are simply unknown until you get out there and, and begin to pursue it.
0: All right. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. If if you're sitting in front of a of a of a group of recent graduates from college, what what are probably a couple of things that you tell them?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I say congratulations for making this significant <laughs> investment in your education, and uh, now it's time to start thinking about how to monetize um, that investment. And and I think for that age group, it's really about uh, starting with long-term, you know, maximizing the long-term labor value. And so I think there are a couple key themes that exist there. The first is, um, you know, again, don't focus on next year's compensation, but focus on acquiring skills that will be desirable, you know, in the economy for a long period of time. So find a company that offers good growth prospects, not only because the company is growing, but good growth for you to develop your skill set, you know, I think for young folks, finding a company that offers a great brand um, that they can be part of is valuable as they think about where they're going to go after that first job, possibly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a big fan of finding situations that offer a lot of flexibility. And what I mean by that is, you know, this market is changing rapidly and you want to be able to port the skills that you've acquired in your current job into other industries and other markets. Yeah. So in many cases, that ends up um, leading me to believe that... Um, functional skill sets like finance, like marketing, like human resource, like operations management, those are attractive because you're not necessarily married to an industry, but you're married to a skill set that can go across many industries.
0: Back to the phones. Adriana is up in London, Ontario, in Canada. Adriana, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Hi. Um, Nice talking to you all.
0: Good. Go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, well, I lost my job, and it was really difficult for me to find uh, something that a, a job that I really liked. And, and you know, uh, so I decided to open a um, um, children's um, sports and fitness uh, business using all of my family's skill set. So my husband's experience, academic studies, my own, and even my my own children, because they started to learn about w- what we were doing, and now they're tapping into that uh, sports and fitness career. And this is, well, four years ago, this, ha- this whole thing happened. So what you're talking about today is really interesting because I, I, I can see myself reflected in many, many ways, many ways.
0: And and how successful has, has the company been so far, Adriana?
2: It's been successful. Um, well, here at London, Ontario, runs lots and tons of sports and recreation free recreation programs for children and youth yep. so in in london ontario is a test market for north america so being in this business full time without using any credit or any other sort of money you know um, to build it basically I feel it's been really successful because uh, it's not easy here. Uh, London came to um, a very, London had a very high unemployment rate and even youth unemployment rate is close to 20% still. Yeah. So for, for us to build up from in, in a very tough place from nothing I mean it, it's really I feel really grateful for, for that and speaking with other with um, um, nonprofit organizations that help out uh, um, companies like mine or, or organizations like mine, um, I hear it more and more and more. You know, uh, entrepreneurship is really important to yeah. build up a new economy, create a new model, new concept, you know. So, thank you for writing that book. I'm going to buy it. I just I can't wait like to read it.
0: Well, Doug, there's there's a there's a perfect story for you.
1: Well, great. Hey, and and first of all, congratulations and and secondly, I think your um example brings up an important point. In many cases, these entrepreneurial opportunities are what I characterize as asset light, and what I mean by that is you didn't have to make a big investment to get into that business. You're really of selling your, your labor skills mostly, and it does take a little bit of investment, um, but I think people are often surprised at how little investment is required to start um, this kind of entrepreneurial endeavor.
0: Adriana, thanks very much. We wish you all the best. Steve is in Palm Beach, Florida, joining us. Steve, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, so my question to you is, you know, what do you think about the entrepreneurial matchmaking? Um, you know, there are some sites out there that help you find
1: partners, like businesspartners.com, what, you know, what's your view on that? Um, so so to, to be honest with you, I'm not very informed on um, that kind of matchmaking service. So this is not a commentary on, on the service per se. It's just my own experiences. Sure. Um, I think people underestimate the importance of finding a partner that um, you, you have an appreciation for how they make decisions. There's a commonality of vision, and there's a real trust level in terms of integrity, and so my, my experience has been that the best partnerships I've been involved with have um, evolved and matured over a long period of time. Um, so, so I'm, I'm just uh, weary of any any um, uh, partnership that evolves very quickly. I
0: think Okay. Thank you. Steve, thanks very much for the call. Doug, I have to end it there. Thank you very much for giving us your time. For people that uh, want to find out more, uh, the book is available online and uh, in bookstores. And uh, how can they reach you online as well? Uh, FamilyInc.com. Great. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much. You got it. Greatly appreciate it. Doug McCormick, uh, Family Inc. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.